Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's Roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today is... Your favorite editorial director, Frank Morelli. Absolutely. How are you doing today, Frank? Uh, now that I'm on my third cup of coffee, I'm doing all right. How about you? Not too bad. Let's get started right away. We've got a super packed program. Um, we'll get. Uh, we'll start with our first story um, out of North Carolina. Interesting uh, little bit of uh, detection by um, Rutherford County Sheriff's deputies who uh, discovered a fugitive on the run since 2020 when they pulled back a car uh, a rug and found a trap door which this man was hidden under um they were at a residence um looking for the man and were told by two other people no he's not here well clearly he was uh underneath the home um uh, inventive way to to try to avoid uh, detection so i wish we had had this story before halloween because to me, that's that's the creepy feel of this, right? Like you go search a house for a wanted fugitive, you find a trap door underneath the carpet, and the creative writer in me is just thinking everything from Michael Myers to a demonic underworld that's underneath of that trap door. But um, it's good that he did he he uh, surrendered without any kind of resistance, although the other people apparently gave the deputies a hard time. Um, and honestly, what other choice did he have? He had nowhere to go. He was in a hole under a house. But yeah, cre- creepy story at the same time, you know. And you always wonder if that is a a temporary uh, type of situation, or if he's living there. A lot of times, that that's that's the room he stays at, just because he doesn't want to get uh, get caught. I don't know. I don't like thinking about it. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't even want a bedroom in a basement, much less in a hole under a trap door. Thanks very much. Good point. All right, moving on to our next story. This is out of New York, out of Buffalo, where the Buffalo Police Department um, is switching their the types of handguns they use. They're using moving from forty caliber handguns to nine millimeter service weapons. Um, also, they'll be replacing holsters for uh, the over eight hundred officers. Um, the new holsters now will be equipped so that when the gun is uh, withdrawn. Uh, the body camera immediately activates. Um, yeah, Brett, what do you think of, of these changes, especially the um, switch with the with the new firearm? So I'll get to that in a second. The switch sure. to nine millimeter is no big surprise. I mean, the age this has become a trend. Everybody went to the forty. Now everybody's going back to the nine with model modern day metallurgy and designs. The difference in actual effect of of the rounds um, isn't that much different. It's not measurably or appreciably different if the officer does his job. Now, that said, um, having the body camera switch on when the weapon is drawn, I think that's a great, great feature. But uh, two observations. One, it implies a duty holster. And if they're doing this for their plainclothes guys, their detectives, I'm curious as to what holster Mm. they're using that still has the same functionality built into it. I'm not familiar with such. I'd like to learn. Number two... Same caveat as always, I draw my weapon, body camera comes on, it's pointed, you know, straight forward of me, center line of my body, but the threat is off to my right, and that's what I'm reacting, so I turn my head and I point my gun to the right. You're never going to see the threat on the camera 
in that instance, right? So we have to remember that the body camera still, even with it being activated when the weapon's drawn, it's not seeing what the police officer sees. It can't perceive what the police officer perceives. The closest I think we could get to that would be to actually mount the camera on the firearm. And mm. who knows, with with miniaturization ongoing, maybe one day we'll get to that point. I know there's companies out there that make such cameras, but then you can't have uh, a light and everybody and their brother wants a light on their their uh, weapon, including, as it turns out, Buffalo. They're, exactly. That's another thing they're doing is putting a, a light on the guns. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out after they've had two or three years with this uh, this setup. And like you said, um, with the with the body cameras, too, I mean, you look at enough of this footage and you just you see how much either how the body's turned or where the arms and hands end up being, you know, in the situation end up can can obscure or or completely block the, the camera unintentionally. Um, yep. mo moving on to our next story, uh, this is out of uh, Las Vegas. Um where uh, before we had started recording, Frank says these stories usually happen out of Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but this is a bystander video captured um, uh, an unusual struggle with the Los, Los Angeles police officer who was trying to apprehend uh, a naked man who uh, was wandering around uh, along the, the street uh, in, in Las Vegas. Uh, a bystander uh, caught video footage of... Uh, a, a fight between a naked man and a Los Angeles police officer where the man overpowered the officer and ended up uh, stealing a cruiser um, that then was involved in a serious accident with another vehicle. Um, but you've, you've mentioned this before, um, Frank, as far as uh, having to, you know, take into custody uh, naked individuals. And it, it's, it's, always a, a challenge well i don't think there's a police officer in the world who gets that call for dealing with the naked guy and goes oh cool this is gonna be a fun one um you know usually this comes along with somebody who's either got some kind of mental challenge disassociation from reality i had a call like that and it was december the middle of december and it was like 20 degrees out and this dude's just strolling up the street naked going for a swim in the river where he's going eh, nope um and then the other side of this is if they're on, if they're not got a mental break, they've got they're on something, which means fighting them's <clears throat> always real fun, right? The guy uh -huh. who's up on PCP or been smoking too much crack or Love Boat or whatever, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you got to fight with them. I'm glad the officer wasn't hurt. Um, it and and I have a grandniece. Uh, I'll have to get her to, to to read this article and watch the video because she swears she's a nurse and she swears police don't actually deal with naked people all that much. And I, every time I see one of these stories, I'm like, well, I need to share this with her so she can see that it happens a whole lot more than we would like. Yes. Um, moving on to our next story. This is out of Colorado, Colorado and a bizarre case where um, maintenance workers at the Glen Ca Glenwood Caverns amusement park, uh, discovered a heavily armed man with pipe bombs dead um, in a woman's bathroom from an apparent suicide. Um, uh, officials believe that they, that uh, a possible um, shooting of some type was averted. Um, there weren't many details as far as why, you know, how this man ended up there and um, what his ultimate plans were. But apparently he uh, he changed his mind and, and felt this was the way to go. Uh, very well, strange. 
It, it is. Um, on the one hand, that I'll be ultimately cold-blooded. Thank God he decided to take himself out before mm -hmm. he committed the attack rather than after. Yes. So he's the only person that dies, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but people who commit these mass attacks with the intention of committing suicide at the end of them, that that's not uncommon. Um, it, you know, this guy's, like you said, well-dressed, uh, well-armed, got the pipe bombs, fake grenades. I don't get the fake grenades unless yeah. that's intent to try to get somebody to instigate shooting him. I mean, I don't know if this was maybe a suicide by police type thing, and he finally got the courage to just do it himself rather than taking out other people. <clears throat> but, excuse me, <clears throat> and I hate to say this, good riddance. I'm glad he did it. I, I, I mean, not to be cold-blooded, but uh, I'm glad we didn't have to deal with this as an active shooter, active attack event. Absolutely. And you, know, you just, you know, you wonder too, as far as how, I mean, not that how he was able to get into the park, but just that he was able to get in the park undetected and end up in the women's bathroom. Um, but again, like you said, thankfully, um, no, a tragedy hopefully was averted. Uh, hey Joe, real yes. quick comment on that though. It might surprise people how easy it is to get into these these parks at night. So, mm. I mean, after dark, normally you have minimum staffing uh, because of the nature of of, of nature, because of, of hills and valleys and trees and all that. Usually you don't have 100% fence wrap. And even if you do, you've got a lot of it that can be easily cut through and, and walked. So uh, not surprised they, that this guy got in. They'll never figure out how he got in. Um, but I'm glad it wasn't... Uh, you know, some little girl walking in the bathroom that found him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, on to our next story. Uh, this is out of Maine and um, follow up on um, the ongoing investigations uh, into uh, the mass shooting there in Lewiston. Um, this was from a deputy in a since deleted social media post who was highly critical of the Maine State Police's response to the shooting, in particular pointing out um, the radio silence, uh, quote unquote, that uh, was instituted by uh, Maine, uh, Maine State Police and keeping local authorities out of the loop in a lot of cases. Um, and again, this, this post was taken down by the deputy, um, but uh, I know in general, there are a lot of questions as far as um, the response uh, to find uh, uh, the the shooting suspect Robert Card uh, following uh, the two uh, incidents. So, number one, I'll, I'll make an observation from experience: the, the the miscommunication, lack of communication, disassociation between agencies at different levels is nothing new. But based on my experience, right? If you're dealing in situations, unless you're on a task force uh, where all the information is being shared as necessary. If you're dealing with something that ongoing that's got federal, state, county, city, potentially private, campus, whatever, um, there tends to be this, I'm with a bigger agency, so I'm better than you mentality that sometimes hinders uh, efficient communication. And heck, we, we all saw it before the attacks of September 11th. You know, the CIA didn't talk to the FBI, didn't talk mm -hmm. to the NSA. Nobody's talking to anybody. Everybody's protecting their own little sandbox. And the American people pay the price. I think sometimes that happens with police agencies. But I think the bigger lesson here for the officers listening is once it's on social media, I don't care if you delete it. It's never going away. If it's there for a half a second, somebody saw it, somebody screen captured it, somebody's saving it, somebody's forwarded it, somebody something. 
if you put it on social media, you might as well stand in front of TV cameras, proclaim it loud, proud, and announce your name and rank, and hope that you don't lose any of that rank. Um, just, I mean, think about the professionalism. Think about the validity. Don't post things in anger or angst or frustration. It never, ever goes away. It almost always comes back to bite you. That's to me. That's the biggest lesson. Yeah. No, no, you're uh, you're absolutely right, and uh, I think more and more, um, more and more law enforcement officers are are, are realizing this uh, and and making sure that they're being safe with their when they're when they're going online. Uh, moving on to our next stories, and actually, we're going to go through a string of our feel good stories. So, if that's not your cup of tea. Just hang it, hang loose. We'll for these. We're gonna we're gonna end up with our Darwin Award winner. Yes, but the first story starts out of Montana in Great Falls. Add um, dash cam video that captured an officer stopping a teen from jumping off a bridge. And we've done stories like this before. Uh, I thought this particular case um, was really touching in just the connection that the officer made with this teen who after. Um, seeking treatment, contacted the officer, thanked him, and then the two have been in, in touch since then. This this was um, an incident that happened in September. Um, it, it was also interesting is that it, at his time as an officer, he's been on the force for seven years. This is the second time he's he's cried on duty. The first was um, when, an, when another officer had been shot. So, um, you, you know, you We've talked before about the amount of compassion that um, that officers ha have on the job and, and and bring to the job, and, and this is just a clear example of that. It is, and I wish we saw these uh, types of stories get more national attention. Um, you know, police officers save lives every day in in such a big variety of ways, right? And and this is one that it really it, it can move you, it can hit you, it can traumatize you. It's an emotional experience. When you've got somebody who's come to the end of it and they're ready to go over the edge of whatever, building a bridge or something, bridges seem to be what we always see stories of. Uh, and where, where I live, honestly, we, we see people jump off of a, it's a 150 something foot tall bridge uh, in the river down below and they park their car at the top, block a lane, get out, go hop over. And uh, or sometimes they stand there and wait and they're the ones that want help. They're the ones that want to be talked down, right? Um mm -hmm. It, it's hard on the officers, but what a heroic effort. You know, the officer um, get talks to the kid into coming off the bridge and, and getting help. And, and he builds a connection. It takes the empathy. It takes the compassion. It takes the emotional commitment. And um, no wonder this guy cried when it was done. I mean, you know, he, he was as, as scared probably as, as the kid was coming off the bridge. Finally, he was probably as scared as the kid was. So, uh, you know, kudos to the officer. I'm glad we see it. We see the save, so to speak. Yes. Uh, moving to our next story. This is out of uh, Phoenix. And um, Phoenix police officer Tyler Moldovan got to throw out the first pitch in game five of the World Series between uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. Uh, officer Moldovan had been uh, severely wounded in a shooting in 2021 and has been going through uh, just months of treatment and rehabilitation. Um, and he received a standing ovation. Uh, it, it, this was just great to see um, him 
throw out the first pitch and then uh, get that kind of uh, support from the fans and the community. Isn't it great that Major League Baseball, MLB, that, that they decide that that's who they pick to throw out that first pitch of the World Series, an officer that survived an attack and has gone through all the battle uh, of coming back and, and recovering? Um, I, I love mm-hmm. to see that kind of recognition. I love to see that kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a, emotional honorarium. It's it's, it's just great uh, that they chose this particular officer to do that um, at the World Series. I mean, you know, every every team has an opening season pitch, whatever. I think this is great that it was at the World Series. Yeah, to be on that national, international stage um it is just so great and i i just can't imagine what uh what he was feeling uh to be able to physically go out there after um s- such serious injuries and then also it, yeah just just to hear the 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 crowd um hopefully that that's just a, a great experience for him that uh that he never never forgets yep uh, our next story uh we go to california um this was a great story of uh, a new dad who whose wife went into labor uh, just when there uh, he was going to be attending graduation from the academy. Uh, this was out of Modesto, uh, California. Um, Officer Trent Kersey missed graduation in order to be uh, at the birth of his second child. So the department decided, hey, well, you know what? You still need to a good swearing in ceremony they came to the hospital and um he was sworn in holding his newborn son um and uh surrounded by his wife and, and family so i just just a great story uh, that the department was um stepped up like that um to and, and kind of rewarded um uh, officer kersey's um dedication to his family yeah, I think it's great that the, that the department actually behaved as family first. You know, um, I, I, I kudos to the officer, um, Officer Kersey, who says, you know, I'm sorry, I got to miss graduation. My wife's in labor. I'm not going to miss the birth of my child. And that the agency leadership goes, you know what? You're, you shouldn't. 100% you're right. We'll come to you. Um, and the picture of him holding his son dressed in scrubs yeah. with his right hand raised to take the oath. It's like. You know, that that's a dad who's who's eager to serve, but he has his priorities straight. And I, I think it's a great story. Yeah. And and congratulations to Hersey uh, uh, on the birth of his his new son. 100%. Uh, our, our final story uh, comes out of uh, Memphis. And this is just what I like to say. I, it's a very helpful burglar. Um here was a uh, police arrested Memphis police arrested a 37 year old man um, after he uh, allegedly burglarized a home and conveniently left behind mail and an arrest warrant from a previous crime with his name on it um, at the scene. Um, I mean, not only do the officers there, Hey, look, we don't have to do much of a check. We know he's wanted. We got, we got something right there and they know exactly who the guy is and, and mail, you know, uh, that also just helps make sure where his address is. I mean, you can't, you can't ask for more. <laughs> nope. I mean, I, I'm not sure it was, this was Halloween, not Christmas, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you get a bad guy who shows up holding the envelope with his arrest warrant in it. Um, and then he commits the crime and leaves the envelope behind. Uh, he is either dumber than a box of rocks or he legitimately just wanted to get arrested, but didn't want to, I don't know, couldn't face 
that reality didn't he want he wanted to be more badass than that or something i guess you know he didn't just want to walk into the police station and go hey excuse me here you got a warrant for me i'm here you know so he does it this way but um yeah no he, he gets the darwin award of the week uh breaking into a house and leaving behind your own arrest warrant certainly takes that prize that wraps up uh, uh, just a jam-packed episode. Thanks again for listening, um, and thanks again for uh, joining me, uh, Frank. Oh, my pleasure, Joe. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Take care, and everyone stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.